This is Brian. And this is John. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. So here's an update from, what was it, a couple episodes ago, maybe, John, where you were talking about Mayor of Easttown. Remember that conversation? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so you were, who? who's the star in that? Is it Kate Winslet? Yes, okay. yes, Kate Winslet. I still have not watched the show, but uh, I remember oh, you talking about, is is it good? I haven't seen it. I've been enjoying it, and I don't know if it's just uh, the local appeal or one of those things to where it's like, hey, I feel seen, I feel represented, but yeah, no, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, actually, that local flavor is what I wanted to bring back to the table today. So we were talking about how you were impressed by Kate Winslet's Delco accent as a British woman. Yes. And yeah, and I don't know how this came up. Uh, I was with some family over the weekend. For some reason, Mayor of Easttown came up in the conversation and I found out it's not necessarily Kate Winslet doing a, a good Delco accent or at least not always. Turns out there are voiceovers during the show. No way. Yeah, and the reason I know this, my brother-in-law's girlfriend's cousin. How do you like that? It's one of those stories. My I'm still trying to follow that, but yeah, I think I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, follow the line there. She's actually at least one of Kate Winslet's voiceovers. So how do you get a job like that? Because I feel like I could probably do it for Evan Peters' character. I'm listening to some <laughs> of the things he says, and I'm like, you were so close, buddy. And he's gotten better every episode. But man, how do you get a job like that? Because you- I don't know. Tie back to episode one. Remember one of, and, and this, I thought it was the most absurd. I think about this every time. I know exactly where you're going, and I think about this every time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm excited. Yeah, well, no, it's, I, I, going back, I think it's, or at least I thought it was absurd that these different websites were saying, oh, yeah, side hustle, do some voiceover work. Like, that's a common thing anybody does. But, hey, this uh, woman from Delco is doing voiceovers for Kate Winslet on Mare of Easttown. So I, I guess it's not as outlandish as I thought it was. Okay, so for the rest of the episode, I'm going to be doing my best Delco accent. You're going to do yeah. your Delco? Have you been holding that back in other episodes, by the I, way? So maybe not as much. I totally know that I'm aware of it, so I do try to curb it back sometimes. But then when I'm drinking, it comes out a little bit more. So depending on how late into the night, you'll hear you'll hear okay. it worse and worse. Well, I look <laughs> forward to having the, the full Delco experience as we go into <laughs> today's topic. And with that, no segue at all. I'm going to go right into it. Today's topic, we are all playing the leading role in the movie of our own lives. But what does that make everybody else? In his Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, John Koenig coined the phrase, Sonder. He defines this feeling as the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as our own. Of course, we all understand this to be true, but do we really keep this in mind throughout the day and act accordingly? More importantly, what are the consequences of treating others like supporting cast members in our own stories? So, John, I think we've been pretty clear from the beginning of this podcast. This is not a show about us preaching to anybody as if we're experts. And I think that's been very clear the entire time. If anybody has quoted me or cited me as an expert, 
Uh, God help no. him. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not. <laughs> do not cite this podcast. John, I think you actually described this really well in our, our first episode. This is really about sharing what we've been through or are going through currently in the hope that maybe others can learn a bit about what to do from our mistakes rather than them having to make them. Yeah, no, the it's it's two extra people who are making some mistakes for you. So, yeah. uh, heed our call. Indeed. So, towards that end, I'm gonna start off today's episode with a story that's gonna make me sound like a pretty huge jerk, and hopefully, I'll redeem myself by the end of this. But you know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat the beginning either. I've mentioned before that a lot of times I'll get brought into projects as a bit of a fixer or maybe a pinch hitter. Maybe if we're behind schedule or maybe if the work product isn't what it needs to be, that's when I get called in to, to kind of come in and help a little bit. Essentially think about what needs to change or what I can shake up because, you know, hey, if the status quo is working, they wouldn't need me to be there in the first place, right? So a while back, I got brought into a project that had fallen behind schedule, not, not even a little bit. I had to take several months of work and condense them into so many weeks. That's an incredibly fast turnaround to make up for what was essentially a really, really slow start. With that context, let me talk a little bit about what was in my mind as, again, the star of my own movie. I'm being brought in to save the day, one, because, two, my supporting cast clearly squandered their time. Three, I need to whip them into shape and, again, basically save the day. Now, the way this manifested itself outwardly was I just kind of went in there and started cracking skulls right out of the gate. Meetings were really kind of an interrogation. How did this get so far behind? Who dropped the ball? Who can pick it up now? And what's stopping us from getting it done yesterday? And John, have you ever been to me in a, in a project where I, I kind of go a bit gung-ho? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, you know, be, be honest, how, how do I do? How, how irritating am I as a person? I wouldn't say, so I guess... Take this with a grain of salt because I have a pretty good rapport with you at this point, and I think that our working styles usually. I hope so we're doing a podcast <laughs> together. <laughs> no, but I, I like to think that our working styles um, we work well together for the most part. Um, that line of communication is always open, so I know how you work, and I know how to respond, and I know how to react, and I think vice versa. Whereas somebody who isn't as familiar with you, or maybe if this was my first project and this was my first project with the company. I would be a little put off, maybe, for sure. Sure. Yeah, and, and to be sure, I definitely was bird-dogging, to uh, to use that phrase that nobody under the age of 50 <laughs> uses except me. But uh, <laughs> if, if I see a deliverable's due and I don't get it the minute it was due, I was hounding people. I was emailing. I was chatting. I was on the phone. And all of this, a lot, yeah, I was a really, I was an annoying jerk. Like I said, I'm, I'm not painting myself in a good light uh, at the beginning of this. Hopefully I redeem myself. But at that point, all of this aligned with what was going on in my head. I thought I was doing the right thing because I wasn't stopping to consider who the team was as a whole beyond the impact they were having on me. I didn't think about the movie that had been playing out before the Brian character ever even came on stage. And I certainly wasn't thinking about the impact that my words and actions were having on them. I just picture like the scene in, in a movie, like I, what is it? Gordon Gecko or something like that. Like the eighties style suits, like think Gary Cole from office space coming in and being like, yeah, what's going on here? Why aren't we getting this done? And then you come in soft and then you just start 
raising hell right after. That's what I picture. So am I like the bobs <laughs> from Office Space? Because that would be really depressing for me. So not necessarily the bobs as much as the Gary Cole aesthetic mixed with, I don't know, like Peter Dinklage from Elf. <laughs> <laughs> so what would have made this better? Really, if I had taken a step back and, and thought about this in the Sonder type sense, you know, I would have realized a few things. The work wasn't delayed because people were sitting on their hands. There was just more work than there were hours in the day for the team that was available. And they didn't need me to come in and save the day either because they weren't capable. They needed me to help them clear distractions away instead of being another distraction. But I didn't. And in the end, all I was doing was adding a ton of stress to a group of people who were already obscenely stressed out. So two, three years back now, Rachel and I were going to a Phillies game. We typically parked in a particular section, so that was our first area we went to, circled around two or three times, and eventually we see somebody uh, pulling away or something like they had pulled out, and we're like, oh, great. It's pretty close to first pitch, so you can tell there's limited spots. So we come up, and there's a car that's facing me, and I'm pulling in, and they have their left turn signal on i'm facing them so i also have my left turn signal facing on so i want to pull into this parking spot that i see and i'm seeing this one car i see somebody get out of the back back seat and start walking i pull into the spot cool great yeah awesome i can't believe we found this parking spot this was so fortunate next thing you know i hear this loud banging on on my window and it scared the living daylights out of me and i'm like whoa what the hell and i roll down my window and this guy is just pointing his finger in my face screaming at me what the f is your problem man didn't you see i was gonna pull in there couldn't you see i was dropping the girls off and first off i am just so shocked put off my first reaction was what the F, man? What are you doing? So I'm yelling at him back and forth, and, and Rachel's there next to me, and she's like, just relax, relax. At the time, I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that we weren't out of the car because I could see it escalating a lot quicker, but it's hard to really be yelling at a guy while I'm sitting in my parked position with my key. <laughs> while you're in a seated position. <laughs> exactly. Looking up at him. Exactly. So for whatever reason, my I guess my... My aggression sensor or whatever, what it, it wasn't working. So I acquiesced and I said, you know what, whatever, buddy. I'm not I don't feel like dealing with this. I think I wanted to get in and catch first pitch too. Um so next thing you know, his wife comes up and she's like, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry for him. And thank you. Oh, I thought she was gonna join him and you were gonna get like a, a purse in the face. I know, I know. So she's like his mother just died and starts giving me this long-winded story. And and at the time, you know, I was still frustrated and, and I regret saying this, but I said, lady, I don't give an F. He doesn't come up and talk to people like that. That's not right. I'm leaving now because I want to like see the game, not because of out of any courtesy to the, to you two. And, you know, at the time I'm going through some personal things as well. My, my, my grandmother's ill and I'm, you know, nervous about her. So, I didn't really stop to think about what I said to this woman who was just literally trying to sit there and say, thank you for not escalating this situation and being kind to my husband in a time that he he needed a little bit of kindness. And 
I still to this day think about how I was like a little bit of a part of my French, a little bit of a shed to this woman here <laughs> who had who I, I really had no business being mean to her. All things considered, it was a miscommunication, and I'm usually not one to try to escalate a situation like that. So I stop and think about if my first reaction wasn't to to just start spewing it back at him, he might have just changed his tune and been like, oh, sorry, buddy. And he might have realized that he was coming off a little aggressive as well. So I still think about that. And I could have really de-escalated that situation a lot sooner than I did. I think it, there's a couple big things there to unpack. One, the parking lot, both people finding the spot at the same time and both putting the blanket. That's the closest to a Wild West high noon showdown as exists in our modern society and it's he he had his blinker facing the wrong direction though so he the way he was facing he should have had his blinker facing to the right but he had it on to the left or maybe he had his hazards on i I will fully admit i only saw and rachel confirmed to me we only saw the blinker pointing in the opposite direction well you didn't know it was a big deal at that point so of course you're not looking for details because it's exactly nothing happened yet yeah exactly but the, the other thing, it's not just a work thing. It's obviously a everyday, everyday thing. And now we have two people, two guys who both refuse to, not intentionally, but in the heat of the moment, not recognize that they're not the star of the whole world. They're just a star of their own movie. And then you have this guy's wife who clearly maybe is a bit more conscious of, of other people and is... You know, trying to potentially see both sides and communicate both sides. I had but, no business being mean to her, man. I'm st- I still regret that. You know, at the end of the day, clearly we all logically know we aren't the star of the world's movie. We're only the star of our own. I think we all recognize that. It's it's not a shock to say it and understand it, but at the same time, and I think your story really proves. When you're in the moment, you don't necessarily think in that sense. And I I think there's a few ways to kind of spread blame to uh, everybody listening as well, not just you and me. For anybody listening out there, think about the last time you walked through any populated city street and all the people you pass by. Do you even register them? I'm going to say probably not, you know, especially if you're in a crowded city, there's too many people to even notice. The only time we actually do notice somebody is when they irritate us. The guy that bumps us as we're walking by, we say, ah, he's a jerk. That's the only thing we attach to that person. But we don't know what else is going on in their life. They could have something on their mind. Mm -hmm. You know, their father could have died, like the guy that you uh, unfortunately met up with. And maybe they're bumping into you and thinking, man, that guy's a jerk for bumping into me. Put another way, when was the last time you felt disrespected by either a boss or a significant other or really anybody When you think about it, is that disrespect stemming from maybe they're not viewing you as any more than a bit character in their movie and you don't feel important because of it? So all this is to say it's really easy to logically understand that the person next to us has their own life, their own thought process, and they're both as complex as ours. But being mindful of that, especially enough to recognize it in the moment, can be really difficult. But we should be mindful of it. And we'll talk about why this is after a quick break.
So what's the big deal if we're all a little bit self-centered? Does it actually do anything for us to be more considerate? First, I recognize that it feels a little bit counterintuitive to focus on personal benefits here, considering it's all about caring about others. But in case anybody needs a reason, I have a few. And this shouldn't be a, a, a big surprise to anybody. We get better at problem solving when we're in groups. Brainstorming solutions is generally more effective when you have people who think differently and they come together with their unique perspectives. And it's really hard to do that if we're busy thinking in our own bubble. My story from earlier is the perfect example. I wasn't trying to hear anybody else or anybody else's solutions. I was just trying to push my own. For another thing, think about all of the negotiations that we're part of. This isn't just like a sales negotiation, buying a new car, but really a lot of interactions we have with each other throughout the day are tiny negotiations. Understanding others really well is going to lead us to better understand what they want or need and how we can facilitate that. That's going to lead to better negotiations, faster negotiations, and really better short and long term. We're not burning bridges because we're not just trying to get one over somebody else. We're trying to work with them. That's actually very much a topic that I've explored and I've actually written on before. So Glad you say that, Brian. That's music to my ears. Definitely going to be more successful. It's it's something that's, uh, whatever phrase you use, like trust-based or faith-based negotiations, uh, statistically proven to have better success on both sides as opposed to trying to pull the wool over the other's eyes or whatever, whatever that yeah. saying is. <laughs> and last, considering others actually leads to more happiness for us. It helps us understand where and how we fit into our environment. It helps us understand how we belong, and it gives us a bit of a sense of purpose. Understanding how we can help others will make us feel better. And I think this makes sense to me. We are social animals by nature, right? It's what you always hear. Uh, we're, you know, we're not pack animals, but human beings are social. And there's actually been a good number of studies that indicate it's not just a mental improvement. It's not just emotional physical well-being actually improves. I think I, I read an article about the risk of heart disease actually went down as you did things like volunteering, which which is crazy to me. That is wild. That's I don't do enough of that, and I would like to do more of that. Heart disease, I don't know if it runs in my family, but why take the risk? It definitely runs in mine. And, and I actually wonder if I feel like a lot of social interaction is way down necessarily during a quarantine. I wonder if, uh, if volunteerism has gone up. But anyway, how do we get into this mindset for all the benefits that it offers? Again, the challenge is not understanding it. The challenge actually is living it. And none of the strategies that I'm going to go over are really that complicated, but you actually have to do them. So first, just talk to people. Engage them in real conversation. If that sounds really simple, recognize that most of the time we're talking to people, we're not really having a conversation. A lot of times we are just talking at somebody. There's not really any engagement there. Ask about things that in no way benefit you or are otherwise aligned with anything in your life. Talk to somebody in order to listen and really engage them that way. One thing that I've always struggled with is the idea of actively listening as opposed to just waiting for your turn to speak. This podcast has only exacerbated that problem. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But really, it's the idea of actually listening to somebody speaking as opposed to holding on to a particular thought or topic that you want to bring up in response. 
it's one thing that I've struggled with and and have actively sought to combat is listening to people and 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 not just waiting for my turn to speak. Yeah, it can be tough, especially because I think a lot of our society is built around the idea of he who speaks loudest or most often wins. Yep. And that's I, I hate the mentality. But even in our office, we have a lady who works in our office with us. I've been in meetings where she has ideas, she has things to say, but there's so many other people who are loud and booming in the room at the table, myself included, again, I admit that, um, (laughs) that even though her ideas are just as good, maybe better than the rest of ours, she doesn't have a chance to speak because everybody's so busy trying to get their own ideas out. And it can be hard if you feel like, hey, I have a really good idea, I can really contribute to this group. You just want to do that, and it's potentially hard to say, well, I have this idea, but am I not giving enough time to anybody else to bring their ideas forth? I've tried to make a point if I see somebody like that trying to speak up and not being able to get a word in edgewise. I I use the power of my giant booming voice to say, hey, guys, you know, let's pause a minute. So-and-so, did you have something you were trying to say? And give them the space they need to get a word in edgewise as well. Yeah, and that's how you be an ally for certain people in in the office space. And not to get too much into the politics of it, but certain people in meetings or in the office, um, like junior members of a team or you know different people, they might not feel that they're comfortable speaking up in those scenarios, especially with loud booming voices such as our own Brian. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the fact that you can stop and take a moment to ask those people for their input or give them the opportunity to speak, that's that's really important. And that's something that is, I think we should, all should practice a little bit more. Now, the, the talking to people and engaging in real conversation, again, is, is really the easy part. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of practice to actually engage in active listening if that's not something that we usually do and again not enough of us do it's a skill it's a skill you need to practice yes it it really is the next step is let's actually kind of take a step outside of our role and maybe try to start inching towards theirs a little bit starting off slow this can be something as simple as joining a coworker for lunch at a restaurant that maybe they go to all the time but you've never even heard of right or it could be bigger like joining a uh, an organization that your neighbor belongs to like I, we were talking about earlier volunteering is good for the soul and and actually good for you mentally as well as physically when you volunteer you're really exposing yourself to a range of people places activities that are not just going to be new to you, but they're also not going to be about you, which is what we're looking for. And third, maintaining a strong devil's advocate. If somebody does something that really irritates you, in John's case, it was <laughs> it was this random 27-year-old stealing your parking spot at a game. <laughs> Don't write that off. It's easy to say, man, that guy's a jerk and just go and find, or I guess punch his window and then go and find the new spot. (laughs) But again, if their lives are as complex as ours, then they have as many problems that are as complex as ours, right? So maybe they're going through something and, and they don't recognize that they're even having an impact on you. Bottom line is if we step back and think less about what they did and start thinking about why we give them that automatic devil's advocate We're going to start really approaching things from the perspective of nobody's out there to get you right there. It's it's not about you all the time. And actually, let me 
what's what's that razor that's that's about that i actually had to look this up as i was talking to, to sound a, a bit smarter than i guess i actually am hanlon's razor says never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity that's not the one i was looking for <laughs> stupidity's not the not the one i was looking for it's uh <laughs> that should sound that guy's a asshole and he's stupid <laughs> Because now it just sounds now it just sounds meaner. <laughs> Your dad died and you're stupid. <laughs> all right, I'm cutting all that out. That's not going in. <laughs> For what it's worth, I did come around on that project I was talking about earlier. I recognized I wasn't the star of that team show that they were, and I had to recognize my role as their supporting cast. So I still maintained the project plan I put in place, but. I really shifted from demanding due dates to asking, hey, if we're missing due dates, what can I do to help get this done? What can I take off your plate? And I stopped being pushy and I started being really vocally thankful, right? If somebody did a good job, even on something small and and seemingly insignificant, I made sure people on the team, people off the team knew it. I do want to call out... um... Where has this been on every project I've worked on you with? Are you thankful for projects? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you guys all do a good job. So, uh, you know. I, I, oh, kiss yeah. ass. Kiss ass. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I like working yeah. with you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's was it good for the project to be that thankful? I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to hope people are appreciative of my appreciation. But it wasn't about making the project go better. It was just the right thing to do. And I... I I try to be more mindful and, and cognizant of those people. And uh, and we did it. We were down to the wire, yeah, but we, we did turn things around and we got the work done. So, again, hopefully I uh, I redeem myself in the eyes of anybody listening. Hopefully I redeem myself in the eyes of the people on the team <laughs> who who were dealing with a, a guy who was probably not that pleasant for a couple weeks before he, he turned his game around. So anyway, that's my story, and hopefully it was that tale of redemption, and uh, if not, maybe it was at least a cautionary tale for <laughs> listeners to act better than I did. And with that, thanks for tuning in. To borrow a phrase from Jerry Springer that is actually really appropriate for this episode, take care of yourself, and John. Be good to one another. There you go. I'm glad I remembered it. Oh, I was like, he's putting me on the spot, and it's been years. <laughs> it's been years since I've watched daytime television like that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. <laughs>